Hey, everybody, this is Adam. Uh, and this is Atkins. All right, now that we've got those lies out of the way, we can jump right into... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, f- I realized this the other day, and we're keeping this rolling, um, that I get so stuck in my ways that it stifles creativity. So sometimes I force myself to just do something bonkers different. Um, so I introduced myself yeah. as Adam today, and that pause was the actual length of time that Adam was trying to process what I had just said. <laughs> well, I was like, surely he didn't screw that up. I know he didn't screw that up. It has to be intentional, but do I go along with it or not? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. It was fun. Just to, just to break us occasionally out of the, this is Atkins, this is Adam. Sometimes rote is good. Like, I like routine. I feel safe in routine. Um, but sometimes it's good to shake things up some uh, and and just do do something a little different, especially when you don't tell your uh, your co-hosts that you're going to do something wild, catch them off guard. That's the first thing. Uh, first rule of podcasting is just always say yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it took you long enough to get there. If you knew that that was the rule, you <laughs> sat there and thought about real hard about saying no for a minute. I never said I was a good podcaster. <laughs> I just said first rule. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's uh, jump into Vigilantes here. We are covering today episodes slash chapters 92 and 93 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And if you're joining us for the first time for some reason, welcome. 92 is a weird place to jump on, but uh, we are covering the Vigilantes spinoff manga in the absence of the anime, and we talk about these things in great detail. So if you're not reading along, you probably ought to hit pause and then just come back when you've caught up because we're going to get into the nitty gritty of pretty much every single panel while we discuss these things. Absolutely. And this is would definitely be a weird spot to jump in at because we're right in the middle, almost near the end of a story arc, really. At least it feels that way to me. Yeah, I would think that we're getting close to the end of this flashback and then we'll catch up to the present again sometime in the really near future. Yeah, I hope so. Well, in this beginning, this opening, we are kind of treated to an awesome event. We are given an All Might entrance. It's like that superhero entrance scene from uh, Deadpool, right. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's also, and you know what's funny is as I was reading these panels, I could literally hear All Might's theme song in my background and like Chris Sabat's voice. It's just classic. I mean, we see like the All Might Tower and him zooming in and smashing down and saying he is here back home. You know, I am here. And all these reporters are wanting to talk to him, and he's apparently been pretty much like crime fighting for three days straight. And after he's done answering that, you know, he's the symbol of peace and wanting to keep things all good and happy around the world, uh, he is exhausted. And they even have a great panel of him just being like, warm. That's the little noise that yeah. he which is great. Yeah, he's rocking his Silver Age costume in these particular panels. Um, and he does say this curious thing when he's being interviewed. He says, but what I do with the powers I was born with, and they're all bolded uh, as right. there's like elbows <laughs> being jabbed into the audience uh, because we know things that the reporters don't. Um, but he does, he kind of shrinks back down, not into Jinko Jeans All Might. Um, he's, this isn't that form. This is just smaller All Might. Small Might? Isn't that what they called Deku Small when Might? he was cosplaying as All Might as a kid? Or am I just misrecalling that? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's a thing. Yeah. Okay. And I, I agree. I noted that. It's like he's not quite All Might. He's just a little bit smaller. Like he shrunk a little bit. It, it reminds me of, uh, I think it's the opening to the first movie when he's in the USA and they've got some younger versions of him. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. When he's powing around with uh, David Shields. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, well, we are treated to him talking to Sir Night Eye, who we've not seen for a while, unfortunately. Uh, but he is for reasons. basically like, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but basically, he's telling All Might, like, hey, you have got to go rest. That is your number one priority. You are not allowed to do anything else. You've been up and at him for 72 hours. You cannot do this anymore. And, uh, you know, poor All Might is just like, well, are you sure? Are there any more urgent jobs? And he says, even if there were any, I would entirely refuse them. Uh, but All Might's might senses are tingling. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I still haven't decided how I feel about these next few panels. It's super, like, gimmicky and gag manga-y. Um, but pr- pr- maybe primarily because we've never seen him do anything remotely like this, at least not that I can recall. Um, but I mean, it feels like something we would have read in the Smash panels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, normally when he's not in his buff mite form, when he's not in his, like, buff Pidgeot form, then his hair, the little two fronds up, up front are hanging down. But when his might sense kicks in, turns on, whatever the case is, they twing up, they, they sproing, and they go back up to the erect position. Uh <laughs> And he uh, somehow is aware that a uh, emergency d- dispatch request has come into uh, Sir Night Eye's computer uh, with his hair follicle alert system. But then he also has <laughs> might ears, and he literally takes his two hands and cups them behind his ears, and he can like hear where it's coming from and all sorts of stuff. It's very gimmicky and silly. And then there's the equivalent of like the bat signal where it's the might signal and all of these like adverts all over Japan start turning into like having weird all might faces, including the Kanadoge crab. Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. It's, I, I just don't like what's happening here. This is not something we've ever seen before. So why did they stop using it? <laughs> That's all what I want to know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I will say this um, in a minute, like later on in this chapter, he, he like shows up on the scene and he has his pillow in his hands, and I call shenanigans. Yeah. Because here, in this in this scene, when he puts his hands up to his ears, he has to have not had the pillow in his hands in order to do that particular move. And then when he busts out of his shirt here in a page or two, pillow's still not in hands. So in order for him to have that pillow, he would have to do all of that and then pick up his pillow and then leave. I don't think he did that. I think that was just a goof gag. I agree, right, because like the whole gag relies on the idea that he forgot to put it down in the next chapter. So the fact that we're seeing these without it, I mean, whatever, right? Yeah. (laughs) It was a nice attempt at a gag, but the panels don't allow for it. I agree. I had the same exact thought, actually, when I was reading this. Uh, Well, we are treated back to a scene with our three pals that we have left off with. We've got Rappa, Ripper, a.k.a. O'Clock, and this high-end Nomu, who are going at each other's throat. Uh, This is a... Man... This Nomu is just killer, isn't he? Yeah, I like I like this like version 1.0 of him. Um, just ca- kind of yeah. getting a little bit of origin. They're not dwelling on it, um, but h- just this form is really cool, and you get to see a little bit of his personality here uh, that you recognize even from his quote-unquote final form um, when he's fighting against Endeavor, uh, especially this bit that we get to in a moment where he's talking about if he kills these guys, then he'll be strongest. That was something that he that he kept saying to Endeavor in their particular job. And mm-hmm. uh, Ripper's trying to tell everybody that, hey, listen, we're, we're on to plan B, so we just need to we're basically done here until All Might shows up, but Ripper's not allowing that. He just doesn't, he, the man can't take no as an answer. Like, he's like, I'm not here uh, on on the job. 
I'm here to to throw fists with whoever is willing to step up to this line and do it. And this guy's in. So we're we're besties, but we're about to come to blows, which is, you know, Rapid's yeah. favorite thing. And O'Clock just says, clearly, I underestimated how unhinged this guy is. Helping him live to see tomorrow could be tricky. He's really trying to go out of his way to take care of this guy that he just met, I feel like. But I guess it's probably because he, he has a bit of respect for him. I mean, he senses the pride in this guy and everything. Uh, but it seems like the Hayanomu wants to fight as well. And so he is headed that way. They are going to go to blows, it seems like. Um, and we kind of switch over to hearing Kurogiri and One for All go into some, like, villain theory, pretty much. Yeah, I think that that's an accurate term. Uh, the All for one's understanding of what a villain is. And so what he's doing here is they know now that All Might is on his way. And so they're debating. They're, they're kind of upset that they don't get to watch the fight, although they were already denied the ability to watch it because uh, Knuckle Duster shot out all the lights or uh, lights, all the cameras. Um, but they were still trying to get a hold of O'Clock's quirk, and their window of opportunity for doing that is dwindling. So Kurogiri is just like, hey, I think we need to, you know, grab this Nomu thing and get and just pack up shop. This isn't the time for us to be doing anything extra. We need to pull our resources together and get them out of there. Uh, All for One has other plans. So his first, the first step of his plan is to have Kurogiri uh, allow All for One's hands to reach through his mist um, and basically maybe either... I'm assuming he's triggering the quirks of all of these people who um, who are unconscious from the gas or because they beat each other up when they were under the effects of gas. What did you think? I, I wasn't really sure. That was kind of some of the problems I had with the way the gas stuff was going down in the last few chapters is like some people seem to be evolving automatically like they they are actually getting I want to say quirked out. <laughs> but then there were others that were just like laying around, passed out. So I don't know if they were just beat up and, and they got knocked out or if maybe the characters knocked them out. Like these were the ones that Bunny or Ripper took out so that way they could get to the high end Nomu. But I'm, I'm not super sure here because at first I was thinking he was actually sucking their powers out of them. Like maybe these were more that he wanted, but now I see that they're the ones that are attacking the civilians in the next following panels. Correct. So, yeah, he's just basically yeah. creating an army as a means of distracting, or actually more technically, he's creating an army as a means of trying to slow All Might down, even if only for a couple of seconds. That's what his goal Absolutely. right now is. Yeah. He's still trying to get O'Clock's quirk right now. Yeah, that's the MO. And and as he's doing this, he's kind of like randomly playing with these puzzle pieces. Like, I have no idea why he had a bunch of kids toys around. I know. I was he's, curious he's about that, too. Putting, well, maybe, I mean, those those blocks kind of look like my son's blocks. So maybe they're Shigaraki's blocks. Although, I can't imagine he would let him play with blocks. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Unless they were made up of his, like, enemies' bodies. Uh, but right. anyways, he's kind of going on about what is a villain really and uh, he says the the term is far too emotionally charged to simply describe a certain class of criminal what you say he's talking to kurogiri and he, he kind of goes into this thing where he's like you know if you have a really strong will and you have a quirk that complements that will and you have this amazing resolve and a great quirk that is able to propel you forward and and do great things then those people are called heroes whereas if you have you know perhaps a violent will that stimulates a quirk into running amok or the flip side where you've got a quirk that causes you to kind of lose your own will then that person is a is a danger to society and like a danger to the building blocks of the world and they are villains they're shunned and scorned as a villain so it is kind of interesting because we literally just came out of the villain saga 
where we saw that with a handful of them. Like we've got characters that are villains just because their quirks cause them to be different. So it's interesting seeing that all for one is totally aware of that. And we know that he is absolutely taking advantage of that as well. Right. And there's also this element to what he's saying where he says, if you don't act like society thinks you should at any given moment, then that when you deviate from whatever the the expected norm is, that's when you are pegged as this villain. And and we have seen that be true. And and I've talked on this podcast before about um, an interesting read that I did a long time ago um, where it was a philosophical exploration of heroes. And one of the essays in there really pressed us on this concept of what do heroes actually do? Do they make improvements or do they just defend the status quo, just get things back to the, to the, to the way that they were? Um, which I think is a really, really interesting question. Um, and here he takes his philosophy and he uses it to his advantage and proves his point because he activates the quirks of all of these uh, these folks that were in attendance. Uh, and when their quirks are activated, they start breaking out, running out of this building, and they are immediately labeled as villains precisely because their their quirks are going off and they look like an angry mob. And that's basically it they aren't doing functionally anything else really yeah and then we treated to a handful of panels too where we even see like fat gum is trying to stop these villains because he that's all he sees them as like all these people out of nowhere just come and start wrecking the town he there's even a panel where he's like the heck is this and he he tries to stop them but they're not able but he's not able to at all i mean they totally run him over yeah yeah and they uh they are like i said right out of the gate immediately labeled villains, which just proves all for one's point. Um, Kuro Geary takes some issue with this. He thinks that this has drawn too much aggro, that these are everybody that they've just let out, unleashed, and turned into these quote-unquote villains now is a clue that leads back to them. Uh, but all for one doesn't really care. He's like, uh, you know, these these police and these other heroes and even All Might themselves, they're going to have to deal with this. Um, and I'm willing to accept that risk if it means that I get to see this O'Clock fight. And if at all possible, if it gives me just the small window of time that I need to take that quirk, then I'll do anything to get it. So he's placing a lot of stock and value in this O'Clock quirk. I'm still not sure how he's seeing the fight, though, because the cameras are taken out. And I don't think you can see through Kirogiri's mist. I have no idea. I, d- I didn't really spend all that much time thinking about it. I, I still think that the-, the larger point is he's trying to take the O'Clock quirk. And absolutely, you know, there, yeah. there, there have been a c- couple of imperfections in this particular chapter that maybe don't make some sense given what we have seen in the past. So we need to, uh, they need to start installing those little cameras in the Nomu's faces, like head cams, you know? Yeah, just slap them, just strap a GoPro on them, man. A GoPro, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe implanted in the forehead. That way they're just there, you know. That's right. <laughs> but that panel does wrap us up with him uh, talking about wanting to steal that quirk, uh, which you're pretty convinced that we're not going to see that here. But I don't know. The more we read, man, the more it's almost feeling like it's foreshadowing for sure that it's going to happen very soon. Nah, because we've seen panels where O'Clock breaks into a building as the hero O'Clock and then You're bumps right. into All for One, and that that was given to us as the time when All for One took his quirk. It does feel like All for One has been targeting O'Clock, though. Like, he's aware of him before this event, the way that it seems like in this, anyways. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a pro hero, so he's got a registered That's quirk true. and would be yeah. very visible. 
Um, and that's what the whole point of these cage fights is, is just increasing all for one's visibility of quirks. Maybe some of these quirks are awesome, but not fit for the hero world or, you know, whatever the case might yeah. be. So he's just increasing, uh, his potential pool of quirk candidates by hosting these fighting events, but he also still has a, uh, a, a, a societal structure of that is that this hero, uh, you know, system that we have in place where he also has visibility. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the buffet of quirks right there. Like all he has to do is go and look at a registry somewhere. I mean, heck there's the top 1000 list out there apparently. You know? <laughs> that's right. At least up to 222. Right. Right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get into episode 93 named three seconds. I got to say, I posted this in the discord, which I don't think we've mentioned it yet. If you're not in the discord, come hang out with us. The link is in the description in the episode. Uh, it is awesome. Like, this cover is so cool. You've got Rappa and O'Clock or, or Knuckle Duster in the middle along with Miracle. And then there's this, like, outline of All Might. And behind that is All for One smiling all sinisterly. Like, it's just such a cool-looking front cover. Like, what an awesome, awesome piece of art. It is really cool, and I'll try to hunt down an image of this online and put that in the show notes as well so that people can see if they're not reading along for some reason. It is a really neat visual, one of the coolest ones I think that we've seen in Vigilantes. I agree. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is where the villains are still pouring out of the building, and they do just actually run over Fat Gum because he's not Fat, fat Gum. He's like he's already expended his power, so he's just like regular-sized man Fat Gum. Uh, and the, it looks like the panels just depict these villains just straight up r running him over, like physically trump trampling him as they <laughs> move past him, even as he says that you're not getting past me. There's one guy that's trampling over him, too, that looks like he's got a jetpack on. It does. He should he should probably be flying. I agree. But there's also when they're there when they're one with wings, too. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's one that's like, yeah, definitely. There's one with wings, too. Yeah. And Mickey Mouse is there. Did you notice him? No. Which panel? So in the it's the on the first page, the bottom panel on the left hand bottom side. Oh, yeah. Mickey Mouse. Holy crap. How did it's I miss Mickey that? Mickey Mouse ears. It, he even has got, his like, gloves. A glove and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous looking. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and uh, they're like a Spider-Man guy to the right of them. At, <laughs> at least it looks like Spider- or maybe that's a duck hat. That, that would make sense. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. I, man, man, I totally looked nuts. over Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good catch. Uh, well, anyways. We see Captain Tanama, who is asking for basically any local heroes. He's like, All Might's going to have his hands full with this. Um, and so we see All Might fly in, use his might eyes and his might insight. And he's like, oh, okay, I've got a pretty good idea of what's going on here. I've got this. And we get this awesome montage of him just like cleaning up the city in a few minutes, I guess. Oh, I would say it's far less time than that. I mean, it's a two-page spread yeah. of him like in seconds getting all but of this stuff taken care of. For for Tanama to be like, oh, All Might's going to have his hands full, and then literally within two panels, a couple of minutes max, he's got it totally cleaned up, it seems like. And, yeah. And then this is where the gag comes in where he catches his pillow, and he's like, oh, I am here. Yeah, because in an earlier panel, um, it, he, he tosses it, and it says toss uh, up into the air. And so he, in the amount of time that it took for that pillow to descend from whatever height he was at, uh, he was able to basically... Uh, take care of all of the villains that were out in the streets. And he thinks that his job is done, but he's about to be informed that that is not the case. Absolutely. And we transition back over to Kurogiri, who is just like, all right, well, All Might's once again living up to expectations. 
you know, he's up there, he's neutralized all of the villains. What are we going to do? Like, this is not good. This is going to just bring us a whole bunch of attention, and it didn't buy us any time at all. And All for One is sitting there in that bottom panel with just like this really nasty looking grin. And he says, It brought us three seconds, which just knowing that, like, uh, O'Clock, the way that his quirk works and everything, I don't know. I just feel like that had such a huge impact, you know? But yeah, I mean, that's all he's saying that he needs. All for One just needs three seconds. That's for him to get a hand on O'Clock. That's all the time that he needs. And so he just threw that little, uh, you know, ragtag band of quote unquote villains out the door to get him just a little bit more time. Uh, he's, he's trying to, to execute on this particular mission. Uh, I still don't think he's going to do it, but, uh, well, actually we know by the end of this chapter that he doesn't because they whisk yeah. the Nomu away. Um, so that everything, every, every piece is off of the field at that point, but we do catch back up with, uh, the, the fight going on inside between the high end Nomu and, uh, O'Clock and Ripper. And, uh, the, the, O'Clock is continuing to kind of talk about how this quirk and, and, uh, the, the fighting style of the high end Nomu don't quite match up that he's, he tends to become slower, more sluggish, uh, when he's increasing his size to potentially deal more devastating blows, but that makes it easier for O'Clock to dodge. Uh, but now he's also trying to work in concert with Rappa, who is a lot more full frontal assault than O'Clock is. So Rappa does not dodge anything. Uh, and so the two have to kind of work together where O'Clock is being a little bit more stealthy. He's shooting in and out and being a little bit more uh, with it or precise with his strikes. And Rappa is just pummeling the dude like straight on in the chest. Yeah, it's really cool because uh, Knuckle Duster even says that like his job is just to back up Rappa. And he says doing things like shooting out the enemy's eyes with a pistol or slicing his tendons with my knife or tackling him to knock him off balance. And what's really neat is in these panels, we do see him kind of like dashing around and whatnot. But there is blur- blood splurting out from all over this Nomu. So, you know, he's just getting sliced and diced. And I, I just thought that was really neat. Uh, but the Nomu starts using his head because he grabs one of the, I, it seems like it's like the fence that was making the cage from earlier. He grabs one of the sides of that and basically turns it into what O'Clock calls a massive fly swatter. I mean, there's no way to dodge it. It's way too big. So he's hitting Rappa. He's almost about to hit O'Clock. And right as he's about to smash down on them, out of nowhere uh, comes the the fearsome tiger bunny. And uh, she says, did someone order a good kicking and is just smashing this Nomu's head in with her feet? It's pretty awesome. And I was going to ask you, there's a panel here where it looks like All for One is smiling, but this feels like it's something that wouldn't be in his favor. So I'm kind of like, I wonder what he's got up his sleeve here, you know? I don't see him being uh, smiling. I think that this is him uh, basically being surprised. Or, or is that s- what it is? Okay. Yeah. Or seeing his, those three seconds that he thought he bought disappear. Um, like her, she is this new variable that he hadn't accounted for because she was already off the field earlier. Like she had left. Right. And so he right. working with the information that he had at the time, he thought that he had bought himself the time that he needed, but now she comes in and, and basically messes all of his plans up. So I think that he's, it's frustration. It's surprise. Like he was, he had his hand almost, or his head resting on his hands. And then when this variable comes in and ruins his plans, his head kind of picks back up or his hand drops as in, as like a sign of frustration or surprise. Gotcha. This smirk on his face just looked kind of off to me. I was like, cause my only thing I could think of was like, well, maybe he's happy she's here because it's one more thing for O'Clock to have to watch. 
so he could sneak up on him a bit easier. But that surely that's not the case because she can pretty much handle herself, and he would know that if he's been watching. You right, know? right. Yeah. So uh, Mirko's back on the uh, back in in this fight. She's got her gas mask on. The other two guys are still rocking it. The gas is still kind of hovering near the near the ground. We talked about how it must have been heavier than air, um, but they they aren't taking any chances with that. But they do kind of remove them to talk, which is. Like, you know, a big faux pas these days, um, walking around with uh, yeah. with masks on and pulling them down to have your conversations. But she's just like, listen, I finished your favor, doing your favor, and I didn't feel like being on the sidelines. So I'm come in to uh, to kick some butt, basically. And while she's saying that, the Nomu just grows ginormous. And it, there are all these like snaps and pops and cracks where uh, the, the way that they described his quirks was that he could like he had this cellular like super generation where he could just generate cells really really quickly and so that would permit for growth um so that's what he's doing he's making himself real real big and this is where we see some of that dialogue that is very uh uh, evocative of the kind of wording that he used the phrasing that he used when he was fighting endeavor when he says killing you would make me strongest but it's all punctuated weirdly and broken up as if he's struggling kind of to even be coherent as he speaks like the personality is having a hard time breaking through that firewall that is the Nomu. Yeah. It's really funny too, because in this panel when he's growing, like his clothes don't rip, but they pretty much have stayed the same size. So I'm just curious, like they've got some super high end Nomu clothing too. They like they have to have their own clothing line. <laughs> the Nomu clothing line. <laughs> it it's gotta be called high end. That would be perfect. People would eat that up. And that's like true. have no idea what they're doing, and they're funding this Nomu project the entire time. Well, there's that's got to be just like a a thing in this world is a manufacturer like stretchy clothing. Yeah, because that lots of people have gigantification quirks, or even even that's different true. kind of body modification quirks that would need clothing that could you know uh, adapt to whatever their quirk does to their body. So. Maybe this is just... That's a really good point. Yeah, you could find it at like a street vendor or something like that. Hey, 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 get your stretchy clothes. (laughs) Like some Nike? Yeah. Well, after the sneak attack from Bunny is able to actually take out the Nomu for a second, uh, poor O'Clock is just like, hey, look, the sneak attacks are not going to cut it. You've got to get out of here. There's no way, like, you've got to scram is what Rapper says. And she says, the hell with that think what you want but i'm a hero in training and so she's like yeah i'm here this is practice this is part of it like i want to be a hero uh so it's funny because um <laughs> i think it's rappa talking to o'clock he says hey bub what do we do about the crazy chick yeah and I, I i mean i think that knuckle duster is exactly where i thought he was where he's just like all right i've got another person to babysit kind of like she did her job well but still it's one more thing and this is definitely at this point you're you can tell that all for one is frustrated. He's he's doing the uh, Bakugo like TCH thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, this is where I, I think I noted in the Discord as well that like if Miruko has not changed at all from these chapters to where she is current day in the manga, her and Bakugo have got to be best friends once they meet. Their personalities are like identical. I really like what she said too because we've seen this kind of similar mentality amongst the kids of class 1A, right? Where he says, I'm a hero oh, in yeah. training. So if there's a, a situation that calls for a hero and I'm there, then I'm going to do the thing. And we've seen 1A in those situations multiple times. Yeah, it's awesome. I would love to see her fellow classmates. Like, I can't, it seems like these kinds of personalities run in groups. Like all of 1A is kind of like this. I would imagine that all of Miriko's classmates are like this too. And I would love to see it, you know? Yeah. 
Well, as we said, Mirko bought uh, the few seconds that All Might needed to get through All for One's uh, little attempted uh, stall tactic. And so he screams, I am, and he's uh, m- moving his way in their direction. Uh, and this is when Kirigiri and All for One decide to retrieve the Nomu. Kirigiri says, our time is up and I will retrieve the subject, but this does not make the high-end Nomu happy. He's like saying, "I'm I, wait, I can still fight, but he can't even finish that word before uh, he disappears into Kirigiri's mists. And All Might says here, as his fist uh, like passes through the very space where the uh, Nomu stood just a second before. It makes me wonder if in the USJ incident, I mean, I know that was written before all of this, but... Uh, I wonder if All Might would have recognized what a Nomu was before that, because it was kind of indicated that that was the first time a Nomu had been really unleashed on the public, or at least in public view. Uh, But clearly, they've been around for much, much longer. So it just makes me wonder how many heroes encountered these things that didn't even know what they were. That Surely this couldn't have been the last time, you know? Well, and I wonder how how much All Might even knows of Kurogiri at this point, because he seems just completely shocked by the fact of this disappearing bad guy like he's standing there with his fist still hanging in the air and he's just like what the crap happened so if he was aware of kurogiri and the role that he's playing with all for one he doesn't seem to showcase that knowledge here but uh i could just be misreading that entirely yeah no i think you're right uh well grappa's upset that the villain got away and (laughs) knuckle duster is just standing there like huh he has an exclamation mark he's thinking yeah, he's a thinky boy, um, so I'm sure that he will piece some things together. He was already um, trying to think pretty hard about what that black mist was, and so I think that he's really starting to have those pieces fall uh, in place for him so where he can start making some sense. So I would think that we are going to be privy to a, situ- uh, a, a conversation shortly um, to follow these chapters where he's kind of sharing what it is that he thinks is going on with Tanama and possibly with All Might. And then we get maybe then we get back to the present and catch back up with Koichi and Pop and, and the gang. I kind of want to stay here. I want an All Might Knuckle Duster team up. <laughs> like, I mean, the the Koichi stuff, Pop Star, all that is great, but this is awesome. Like going back in time, seeing Knuckle Duster in his prime, something about it. I'm really digging this stuff. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what what use would O'Clock be at All Might's side. I mean, it's not like O'Clock is useless, but when you when you stack his quirk against All Might's, you know, it's, I mean, but buddy cop team up, it would just be fun. Well, that's I, I think don't that's, need more than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that was smart about the kind of sidekick that All Might does have is not somebody who is supposed to be standing at his side in the field. Like Night Eye makes oh, yeah. a perfect kind of companion to All Might because what quirk is just going to be out in the field and expected to hang with All Might or or be effective when All Might can, in the time that it takes a pillow to drop a few stories, take out dozens of villains, you know? Um, so Well, you know, there's this thing, though, where, like, Knuckle Duster kind of plays this, at least the Knuckle Duster we know, obviously not O'Clock at this point in time, but... But Knuckle Duster kind of plays this dark foil to All Might, right? He's kind of the guy on the grounds doing the dirty... And there, there's this part of me that would love to see that, but more of a um, concentrated effort, I guess I'm going to say, from the powers that be. Like these organizations that we see in current My Hero that are kind of informing the heroes how they want things to go with like 1A and whatnot. 
what if they had like an underground league of heroes that do things that you wouldn't want to see All Might do? Like that wouldn't look good if All Might was doing that. He's supposed to be the symbol of peace. Kind of uh, like there's a whole comic book series with the X-Men that's like this. And I can't think of what I'm they're called. It's, it's the X-Force. X-Force. It's X-Force. X-Force. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. X-Force. Uh, and that's a great series, but that's kind of one of the huge things is like, hey, we can't just have our you know good guys out and about doing these things that are kind of low key, not great. I feel like Knuckle Duster could fill that role so easily. Yeah, I've I've actually been uh, now that you're talking about that. Maybe I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen some sort of good guy squad that operates like that, like clandestine yeah. with relation to the rest of the heroes. But doing some like one of those situations where as the heroes come up on the scene and they see the ends of that kind of work, that they have that hard time of 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 condemning it because they're like, but but the bad guys lost, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a really interesting a- angle for them to take. And maybe they do at some point. We don't know. That's true. We don't know yet. Uh, there's a really interesting Deadpool series that Brian Posehn wrote where like there's a necromancer that brings back all of the dead presidents and you can't have Captain America knocking out an old president. Right. So they hire <laughs> yeah. Deadpool to do it. You know, <laughs> that was a great series, but something like that, that's kind of what I'm thinking here. That would just be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. That so would maybe be... not sidekick, but like closely working together, all might's assigning him the like dirty deeds, you know, I, I, something crazy. I don't know. I, all Might wouldn't be the one to give those orders, but I see what you're saying. Like, I don't think All Might yeah. would get his hands dirty in something like that himself. No, he wouldn't. Not at all. Well, we decided uh, for a segment this week that we were going to talk about names, and this came uh, to our attention through some of the discussions in the Discord. Uh, Tom Mack had mentioned that he recalls us talking about some names, particularly he mentioned Stendhal. And I remembered talking briefly about Stendhal because I was like, I'd never heard that term. So we Googled it. Um, and even Busta today, I think in the discord brought back up Stendhal syndrome as, as the, uh, the naming, the, the kind of origin of that particular term. Uh, but Tomac was like, I don't know that you guys have like sat down and really talked about the naming convention in vigilantes like we have in, my hero academia proper. Uh, I think that if we were to go back and listen, we'll find that occasionally I, I might've mentioned offhand a name here or there, uh, but we thought it would be kind of fun just to kind of catch us all up on the names real quick. So I looked up a long list of vigilantes characters, pulled out the ones that would be the most familiar, the most utilized as far as story goes and, and appearances are concerned. Uh, and then we split these up. So Adam and I are going to kind of work our way through these and you might learn something. I mean, we, to give you a peek behind the curtain, all we did was go to the wiki and go down to the trivia section and look up um, what the different kanji for each person's given and uh, uh, like their first and last names were. And now we're going to dispense with that information. The wiki is a font of knowledge. It's super fun to read. Yeah, they've got some really interesting things on there. Uh, do you want me to start, Atkins, or do you want to start down your list? Yeah, don't you? You've got the main folks, right? I think you've got like Koichi. I do. And... I do. Yeah, yeah. So let's start off with uh, Kazuho Haniyamiya. I'm going to say all that over again. (laughs) Well, I I should say, too, we're going to leave that in now because I'm stepping all over it. Uh, But no, this let's just go ahead. We know that we're going to mispronounce names. We know that we've done so in the past. We've got a proudly displayed one star iTunes review that let us know as much like we're we're not (laughs) great with names. That is that is just a fact. So bear with us through that part, at least. Now you can mess up that name again if you want. We've got Pop Step, uh, Kazuho <laughs> Hanayama, 
right? I thought you were being a coward and not using her name for a second. No, I'm going to try. I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, her given name contains the kanji for harmony, peace, soften, and walk a step. And her surname contains feathers and uh, the root source or mountain. Uh, so I thought, you know, it makes sense that harmony, peace, feathers, she's, you know, floating in the air. I like that one. I thought that was pretty cool. Soften uh, might make then, some sense, too. Yeah. Like, as, as, it, like she, her quirk is like a bounce thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And she's kind of got like a softer personality as well. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, then we've got Koichi Hamawari. Uh, Koichi's given name contains the kanji for navigate or cruise, and his surname contains the kanji for ash, around, or circumference, uh, which I think is pretty neat since he's kind of doing the he's like zoom around boy force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and like he's also kind of got like the force balls, is what I'm going to call them. Yeah, the thing that we've found with my hero is their names are usually just on the tin. Like it's the naming convention that Horikoshi liked was. If this man's quirk is iron, we're going to call him Iron, 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 Iron. Uh, and like, <laughs> that's what all of these names are like in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. The, the next one is Iwa Oguro, Aguro, Knuckle Duster. Uh, his surname contains the kanji for male and black, and his first name contains rock or crag. Huh. So he's just a hard dude. I get yeah. that. Uh, that follows. Hard, yep. not and like then, uh, not like a comment, uh, not like Kirishima is hard, but hard is in like he's from the streets. He's, he's just seen, a hard. He's guy seen too. things, yeah. Like yeah, he does what he wants. He's seen things exactly. Yeah, uh, and then his daughter. We'll go ahead and hit her real quick. Well, not literally. You know, she's already in the hospital. But <laughs> yeah, we don't. Uh, need Tamao's <laughs> beat kanji. Tamao's kanji in her name is lit gem jewel and lit cord strap. I'm not really super sure. We don't know a lot about her. So, I mean, we know that maybe like chord because she was playing the guitar at some point in time. But outside of that, we know that uh, Knuckle Duster loves her a lot. So maybe she's the jewel that plays chords. Yeah. Or yeah, or she's like a jewel on a chord, like a piece of jewelry, you know, a very yeah, precious yeah. item to uh, Knuckle Duster. We can make that work. I'll go ahead and mention Mikado Sukuwachi. Uh, Sukuwachi? Yeah. Mikado. Uh, her. Sukauchi, yeah. Her kanji contains uh, the symbols for lit, truth, realty, and genuineness. Obviously referring to her quirk, uh, where she can like pretty much get the truth out of people. Uh, I right. also didn't realize that she's basically Lois Lane until I was reading her trivia section, and that was like, <laughs> they were saying that's her foil. And, and the moment I read that, I was like, oh yeah, she's literally a reporter. That totally ma- That's obsessed with All Might. Like, I, okay. That yeah, makes that makes some sense. <laughs> I've never made that connection either, but it follows. It follows. Only she's not she's not trying to hook up with Superman. She's trying to hook up with like the Pizza Boy from whatever that world is. I don't know. Um, I've got some some sidebar characters that we've seen several times. The first of whom is Detective Tanama, whose first name is Aitso, uh, and his name means honor and three. And then also his last name is Rice Patty or Swamp. I couldn't make heads or tails of that, really. I did That's find out that he has a quirk, though. Did you know this? I didn't know Tanama had a quirk. Oh no! I mean. I assumed he might have had one. It's just not a like super useful one. It isn't. It's just called Free Walker, and I think that the wiki was like, we don't know what it does. It just sounds like he can walk without getting tired. And I was like, I mean, that doesn't sound like a terrible quirk, but... <laughs> he, he can jaywalk without getting ticketed, but the thing is, he's a cop, so he yeah, already had yeah, that quirk. That's it's right. part of the gig. You know, I don't know why, but there's something about Tanama that I'm not entirely convinced he's, like, not a dirty cop. Oh, I don't know why gosh. I feel that way, but, like... 
there's just something about him that I'm just like, he's he's got to be, he's got to be getting paid off or something. I don't know. You get suspicious about some of the weirdest people sometimes. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know why I'm so suspicious. And I don't, it's only as of recently, like since we started reading this story arc, something about him, it's just rubbing me wrong. I don't know it's, what. Listen, I think you're adding another rule to your little, if this person does this thing or has this thing, then they're a villain. So far, the rule has been scars, but now you're adding cigarette smoking to it. Uh, I don't know if that's it. I don't know if it's cigarette smoking, because that what didn't about, bother me. What about stubble? Because he's got just that faintest little hint of like a scruffy well, beard. But then O'Clock would be included in that. So, But, he, but he's trying to that. look like a sketchy dude on, on purpose, though. <laughs> that's true. Maybe, that's, maybe it's after his comment. Maybe that's what it is. Now I'm like, huh, Tanama. Huh? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> Tanama's fine. I have no suspicions about Tanama. Uh, I have he's Monica. Be the Do what? I said he's going to be the traitor. No, gosh, no way. Um, <laughs> I have Monica Kaneyashiki. She was the Kanadogi crab person, and um, her last name just means seller of crabs, basically <laughs> spreader of nice. crabs. Also, potentially, <laughs> which is terrible. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought that that was pretty funny. Her first name didn't really have much. But yeah, her last name is Crab plus House or Seller plus Spread or Promulgate. And I was like, I mean, Crab Seller sounds a lot better than Crab Spreader. So Yes, um, absolutely. I have Obero Shirakumo, who we've talked about before. His first name means hazy or cloudy. And then his last name is just the com- like a compound word in Japanese for white and cloud. So that makes all of the sense. It's Very He cool. is... That's the Tetsu Tetsu, right? It's just like, he's a cloudy boy, so we're going to call him Cloud Cloud. Um, Yeah. And then I also, just for fun, I added this character in because he's my boy, and I love this guy. Still do. Compass Kid for Life. I had to look up his. He is not in the manga for very very long, but uh, his name is Hokotu Hario, and I needed to know if his name meant anything, and it does because his name means North and Needle. So he's Compass. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, literally. I'm so glad I looked that up. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, well, I had a few more here. I think you labeled them the Punk Squad, which I thought was perfect for them. Uh, we've got Moyuro Tochi. His name contains the kanji for lamp, market, and burn slash fuel. So that totally makes sense because he's yeah. kind of like a uh, endeavor ish. He's like endeavor light. Yeah, he's like got endeavor that little zero, that little wisp of fire on the top of his head. Right. Uh, and then we've got Soga Kugasaki. His surname contains the kanji for nail and peninsula slash spit, while his given name means claw or talon or tusk or fang. Uh, so that totally makes sense because oh, yeah. he's pretty much Spike from right. X-Men. Yeah, he's yeah. a spiky boy. Uh, and then the last of our squad here is Wrapped Tokage, who I think I have mentioned before that he shares a last name with Setsuna Tokage from uh, the UA, I think, what is that, Class 2A? 1B. Class 1B. Why? 2A, not 2A, 1B. Uh, but apparently their surnames are composed of different characters, so they have technically different spellings, so they're, they're not related. Although that kind of upset me because they have sort of similar quirks. I, I thought that would have been a cool thing, like, oh, yeah, he's my second cousin or something, you know? Uh, but his kanji, but his name contains the kanji for 10, day, and summer and is pronounced similarly to the Japanese word for lizard. Oh. Yeah, that and makes apparently sense. his name, uh, Rapt or Raputo, is the Japanese pronunciation for Raptor, is what the trivia said. 
Speaking of names that are supposed to sound like other things, I have both of the uh, knockoff X-Men guys' names. So uh, the Cyclops dude is named Ichimoku Samazu, uh, and his name literally means one eye, and then also help. Uh, and his last name, Samazu, is supposed to sound intentionally like Summers, as in... Like Summers. Yeah. Yep. Scott so, Summers. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. So he's a Summers brother, too. Uh, Summers brother uh, is a like long-running joke, and Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, which is a great podcast if you're not listening to that. And then uh, the other one, the Wolverine guy who can produce the wooden swords from his arms, is Jubei Namimaru, and his name means Tin and... Ten is in T E N, uh, soldier and protection, and then also reckless and round. So his name of mm. all of the ones that I looked up meant maybe the least, but I don't know. Did you yeah, make any sense I mean, of that? Wolverine's kind of reckless. That's really the closest thing to it. Yeah, that could be. And he is a little rotund. And uh, both guess, yeah. him and Ichimoku have words in their names that are basically like helper or assistant. So maybe that's what they are. They're like literally support characters. They help move the story along. Yeah. Well, and they're also there as like, you know, groupies, like stagehands. Oh, for yeah, totally. Pop step and, and uh, all that stuff. So who that's else right. did you have? Yeah. That's it. Oh, you, that was all of yours? Oh, dang. That was all of mine. Maybe you gave me the light list. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so I have the Rehab Cafe crew then, too. Um, this is the folks uh, that are uh, working at the cafe, the, the cat cafe with the Hotta brothers. So the Hotta brothers are Ichiro and Jiro uh, in their last, or their last names don't really mean that much. Uh, they mean like moat and canal or something like this. Um, but, or no, that's, is this Ichiro's first name? Okay. Now I'm getting myself confused. Here's, here's what matters about these two names. Ichiro's name means one and son. Uh, and the Hotta brothers are actually twins. And this is, the, this is the artist's way of letting you know that Ichiro is the older brother. He's the one son or the first son. So he's the older of the two. Are they not triplets? I thought the uh, they were triplets and the just one, you know, had a bad quirk. Oh, you're talking about Kamayan? Yeah, I thought uh, I didn't realize that the two that didn't get gigantified uh, were actually twins. And the other one, I guess, was older or younger. For some reason, no. I thought they were triplets. So Kamayan's real name is Kirihito Kamachi. And he's oh, so he's not a Hoda brother. He is not a Hoda brother. He just hangs out with them now. Um, so his name is a com compound of some kind of tree called a Polonia tree. And I looked it up, and it didn't make any sense with his quirk. Uh, but then his name also contains the word for sickle, which is how his hands end up looking at the end. And apparently, part of his name also sounds like the Japanese word for mantis in there somewhere. I think the Japanese word I have here for mantis is kamakiri, but I could be wrong. Don't don't fact nice. check me, bro. Um, for Teruo Unagisawa, this is one I do remember talking about because uh, I know that Unagi is Japanese for eel because of a DC Benny sketch, um, which if you haven't heard DC Benny's sketch about taking Unagi, Google that, understand that it's going to be explicit as far as language is concerned, but be ready to laugh because it's stinking hilarious. So tu Teruo's name means to illuminate uh, your... Illuminate in life is his first name, and then Unagisawa is eel and also swamp. Uh, and then the last one that I have is Ikijiro Takobe, um, who is the squid slash octopus man, um, who gets kind of gentled a little bit and starts working at the uh, the rehab cafe as well. And the 
most impo- uh, important note about his name is that Ika is Japanese for squid and Taco is Japanese for octopus. And that's just a callback to that really funny uh, back and forth that Aizawa had with uh, with Koichi, I think, where they were arguing back and forth about whether he was an octopus or a squid. Oh, yeah. I remember he's that. both. That was, uh, that was fun. Yeah. His name suggests that he's both. So hopefully that caught us up on the, you know, the majority of the major players. I left off uh, uh, Captain Celebrities because his name just is, you know, it's just Chris Skyline. There's not much there. Um, but everybody else, I think we, we've covered. That's, that's big players that, whose names will come up. So hopefully you learned something new. Yeah, let's hope so. I think that was, uh, that was pretty cool. It's neat to see the naming schemes in manga. It feels like all of these different, I mean, even outside of uh, manga, I guess, all these writers have naming schemes that they use for their characters, but it seems really prevalent in manga for some reason to me. Like, I mean, Akira Toriyama's naming schemes are really well known, and obviously Horikoshi's have, have got a lot of sense in them. Uh, so it's, it's cool to see them broken down like this. Yeah, when you, if you you got to imagine, like, I run D&D campaigns sometimes, or Pathfinder or whatever, and if I'm the DM, even when I'm making my one character, if I'm going to be a PC even, and I have to sit down and name one dude, that's hard for me sometimes, like, let alone entire casts, including guys on both sides, good guys, bad guys, uh, these random, like, you know, support characters, names for everybody. That is, that seems like a super difficult job. So it makes all the sense to me anyway, that they would have some sort of mnemonic or naming convention that they could just be like, all right, let's think about another vegetable here, guys. And let's just name the next say in that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I get that. Yeah, that yeah. makes way meant that, that makes a ton of sense to me. Absolutely. It totally does. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for this episode. What do you think, Atkins? It will. So in two weeks' time, we'll be back with an AMP covering chapters 94 and 95 of Vigilantes. Uh, but in the meantime, if you just can't get enough of the dulcet tones of Atkins and Adam, you can tune in uh, to Kyo Cinema this coming Monday, a week from uh, the release of this episode, and listen to us talk about Dragon Ball... Fight Son Goku, Win Son Goku, which is a live-action Korean Dragon Ball movie that is not licensed, but is super freaking awesome, and I loved it, and I don't think Adam loves it as much as I do, so it'll be an interesting episode to listen to for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It's fun. It's a good time. I just don't know that it's perfect. Oh, I'm not saying that it's perfect. It's one of those things where... I don't know that it's so bad that it's good because I don't want to call it bad. I don't think that it it's is. It's not. No, no, it's not. Like some of the choreography for a lot of the fights and the line work and like everything about it is actually really well done. It's It's been great. The only complaint I've got so far is that Balma's hair is not purple or blue. Yeah, like, yeah I agree. I mean, of all the things, they put a lot of money into all of like they gave Goku a headpiece. Why didn't they just dye her hair? But yeah. we'll save that for Kaiho Cinema. That's right. So that that episode of Kyo Cinema will go live the Monday after this goes live. So uh, December 27th. I think that's right. I think I'm reading my calendar correctly. I believe you are right. Hop in the Discord. Be sure to come say hi. We love it when people say hi. Uh, Leave an iTunes review. That really helps us get the show out. That's what the show is uh, built off of is all of our friends. So more friends we have, the merrier. Yep. Drop in the Discord. Say hey. We'll say hey back. We might even mention you on the pod. Uh, we we just enjoy hanging out and chit-chatting in that Discord. Is Somebody's always talking in there. So uh, drop in, be a part of the community, and stay tuned for future episodes of the AMP and Kaiju Cinema. We'll see you guys next week.
Well, it's weird. they look like my son's blocks. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe maybe he's got uh, what's his name there? Uh, look, we're like four weeks out of watching season five, and I've already forgotten all about him. Who are you talking about? Blocks? Wooden blocks? Yeah, he would have been a kid around this time. He would have been abducted, I would assume. But oh hell, what is that? Oh, guy's are you talking name? about Shigaraki? Shigaraki. Okay. Shigaraki. God. 